And I'm Chris. And this is Eggs and Espionage, the origins of James Bond. extract the proteins to create a more like to create something that actually has the like the the mouthfeel and structure of meat it sounds sounds really bad when you say you can buy it as loose meat substitute (laughs) that's our that's my next band name loose meat substitute um but I, i honestly don't know how they make it it's a process i just love that we incorporated mouthfeel into our conversation i mean that's kind of important when you're talking about putting meat in your mouth. <laughs> Speaking of meat in the mouth, chapter 12. It, which is coincidentally <laughs> called meat in the mouth. <laughs> All of that was a clever lead-in. No, no, chapter 12 is called the Everglades. Chapter 12, the Everglades. At five in the morning, Bond and Solitaire slip off the train unseen in Jacksonville. They kill time hanging out in a greasy spoon, waiting for the next train. Bond is in a foul mood. The atmosphere doesn't suit him, perhaps. It's none too glamorous, and even the eggs are disappointing. He passes the time by disparaging America, while Solitaire passes the time by disparaging the elderly. Apparently, there are too many of them in Florida, and they're just the worst. Eventually, the next train arrives, and they're able to complete their journey. Of course, as soon as they step off the train, Solitaire is recognized, Mr. Big is called, and a plan is put into place, all while our heroes are in a cab to the Everglades, their home away from home. They'd made arrangements to meet Lighter there, but when he opens the door, he just stares at them in shock. But, 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 I thought you were dead! The first train had been bombed and Tommy-gunned. Luckily for Bond, only the porter, the helpful Mr. Baldwin, had been killed. Now that they're all together, Bond introduces Lighter, and Lighter introduces Solitaire to her own room. The boys have some work to do. So they get to Jacksonville about five o'clock in the morning. Hop off the train. It's still dark in the naked platforms of the Great Florida Junction were sparsely lit. Uh, but yeah, basically they just got to kill time. So Bond goes and books the next train, which is at like ten o'clock. So they got they got a couple hours to kill. They're pining for some breakfast, and it's good to know that even in the early 50s, there were crappy, greasy spoon diners. And he says, quote, It was the usual sleazy food machine. Two tired waitresses behind a zinc counter loaded with cigarettes and candy and paperbacks and comics. God bless America. God bless it. My favorite part is he says, A door marked restroom concealed its dreadful secrets. Next to the door marked private, which was probably the back entrance. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> what dreadful secrets? <laughs> I um, mean, truckers use this this diner. Truckers. Yeah. Chris, truckers. <laughs> uh, but they, they're unimpressed with the stained menu card. 
basically decides to order for both yeah, them. I mean, he's they start this novel where he's just like musing on luxury yeah, and yeah. like pure luxury, and then he gets off a plane. He's like, I'm going to have to go through customs, more, more, and then someone is like, You don't have to go through customs. You're a secret agent. Here's ten thousand dollars cash, <laughs> and we're going to put you up in the fanciest hotel in New York. Like, so yeah, no shit. He's fucking pissed off, and he's using like an every man's fucking restaurant. <laughs> I think you just summarized the whole book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so there they are, like eating like an American family, and like, no, it's not cool. So he, so of course, here's ten thousand (laughs) dollars. Sorry, and so of course you know exactly what he does when he sits down to order food here. Yeah, so he's pretty pissed off by the. Uh, stained menus, and he orders two orange juices, coffee, and scrambled eggs. And scrambled eggs, because of course, remember the name of this podcast. Yeah. Yes, this is the third time in the book that well, and my Ian my Fleming assumption described an egg order. He's but he didn't go for the bacon or sausage. Maybe he's been a little he's he's being a little health conscious. Also, it's kind of a sad order. Like, could you imagine just just orange juice, coffee, coffee and, and scrambled, and scrambled eggs? eggs. And then he complains about it before he even gets it. Says the scrambled eggs will be cooked with milk, said Bond. But one can't eat boiled eggs in America. They look so disgusting without their shells. Do boiled eggs in Great Britain look better? Mixed up in a teacup the way they do them here. God knows where they learned the trick. From Germany, I suppose. Why does he throw the Germans out? (laughs) And bad American coffees, the worst in the world. Worse than... Even in England. Yeah, I do agree with that. I suppose they can't do much harm on the orange juice. After all, we're in Florida now. He suddenly felt depressed by the thought of their four-hour wait in this unwashed, dog-eared atmosphere. Whatever. So he's pissed off about his eggs because he is an egg aficionado. It is actually super important to him. It's very- so I, I do get that. Um, but I don't know why he's feeling so so sad just because he has to eat in a diner and wait for the next train it's like it's he's so spoiled that this like minor inconvenience of waiting four hours for a train like at a diner with a beautiful woman is like just brutal on his soul but that's that's james (laughs) bond he's he's um a finicky machine right he's not your he's not a tractor that just plows through the dirt he's a finely tuned uh, racing machine yeah. Finally tuned and dickhead. Fuel <laughs> <laughs> um, on sheared eggs. So then she bit- Solitaire starts talking about uh, the the state of America, right? Like their conversation turns Whoa. to what what is America? Um and particularly they start talking Saint about Yeah, Saint Petersburg in Florida as like the um graveyard for <laughs> America. <laughs> it's know, a retire- like, yeah, so they start to shit on the elderly here. They absolutely start to shit on the elderly, and they bring up a whole new line of insensitive bullshit, right? Like, you oh, know, like total ageism, yeah. Sexism runs rampant in the first book, and he keeps that going here, and then he brings in the racism, but, like, it's not enough. So they start shitting on anyone who's older than 65. Yeah. <laughs> anyone who's older than them, really. Like, Solitaire finds it, like, absolutely nauseating. Um, well, so does Bond, yeah. And Bond just jumps right on board with with her description. And then they they bring out this term oldster. 
All these oldsters sitting around on their Davenports gossiping. It's a terrible scene. Hmm? It's probably why Mr. Big chose the place, because not a lot of crime that goes on here. Plus, there's a, a shipping port, or at least mm-hmm. a dock, right? And so he's mainly concerned with, we learn, the smuggling between Tampa and Cuba, and the sponge fishing out of season at Tarpon Springs. Yeah. And then they, they fantasize a little bit after that about moving. You know, they're, they're flirting. Solitaire will be the barker and lure them in to whatever bingo tournament Bond is running to rip them off. She says, she, she proposes marriage to James and says, will you settle down with me and grow old gracefully in St. Petersburg? And Bond looks at her critically and says, I want a long time of disgraceful living with you first. <laughs> He said with a grin. But what interests me, though, is he's, like, totally willing to have this, like, conversation about marriage with her on basically their third date. She enumerates a little bit more on her role within the big organization. And while she talks about being a prisoner, Mr. Big often called her in to deliver verdicts on people. She, quote, varied her replies according to whether she sensed these people were good or evil. She knew that her verdict might often be a death sentence, but she felt indifferent to the fate of those she judged to be evil. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she follows that up by saying very few of them were white. Yeah, that's a very weird line. Especially when you're talking about this this girl who's like 18 years old just being asked more or less to arbitrarily decide if people lived or died and then she decides that based on her first impression of them you know not many of them were white so what is that really saying about her judgments on others you know what i mean mm-hmm. i don't know yeah i mean I, they're keeping that racial tone like very straight and, and, and after this chapter i start to like i'm you're We'll get to it in the next chapter, but you, I'm reading descriptions of characters, and I'm trying to like understand what's happening in this book. And the very first question I'm asking myself is, are they black or white? Like, what is he trying to tell me about this person? Please just tell me if they're black or white, so I know if you're trying to paint them evil or if you're trying to paint them good. Like it, like it's come down to that, and it's like it you know, it screws with you, yeah. Yeah, and I'm catching myself doing this, and like that's fucking gross. But like, this is what I've been taught by this book 113 pages in to do yeah but uh i do like so bond bond is kind of thinking about all this and making notes and he's trying to be careful not to let her know that he already knew some of this because he's such a gentleman mm-hmm. um he says he was careful to divulge a little of what himself knew or guessed his growing warmth towards solitaire and his desire for her body were in the compartment which had no communication door, communicating door with his professional life, mm-hmm. which is total bullshit. Yep, he definitely is really hard pressed to make that argument when he's already been making out with her all over the place. But otherwise, they uh, get on the next train. That's going to bring him down to, I guess, Saint so, Petersburg. Yeah, they're going to get off a little bit early just to be safe. Right. Of course, they get spotted like immediately. Well, they, they get, get off the train, train again. They go get in a car, get in a cab, and an African-American gentleman with a, quote, pitted face with ancient smallpox, who tactfully is named Poxy. <laughs> Poxy knew Solitaire's profile. Right, because so he works Caesar for the big man. Calls up a St. Petersburg's number, 
which we learn is a gentleman named The Robber. Mm -hmm. He's pretty dead certain he saw Solitaire in a car with some dude with a scar down his face. They always focus on that scar, which it's, is, of course, the it's one... It's like, tell, man. Yeah, the highlighting feature mm -hmm. that he chose early on not to cover up, even though he's a spy who's trying to disguise his identity. He keeps that out. Yep. And he keeps getting identified by it. Constantly. <laughs> so the robber then phones New York, is told basically to off this guy Bond, mm -hmm. uh, and he's offered ten grand, which is a little over $100,000. Um, and he needs two men. He doesn't care. They get off He's the not, cab at the... Bond's not taking off his shirt that says, I'm with MI6. He's going to wear <laughs> that t-shirt this entire adventure. <laughs> they get to this little roadside cottage motelish thing called the Everglades. Uh, they go in, they ask for Mr. Lighter. They finally get to see Felix again. It's been a few chapters, but I, feel, I miss him. Oh, Bond misses him too. He's he's nothing but he's a little surprised when Lighter isn't like you know giving him a big warm hug and smile, because Lighter is surprised that there's this female <laughs> with him. I mean, he's but no, even at first he like forget he doesn't even care about that because he didn't know anything about Solitaire coming down. He like grabs Bond and drags him to the door and is just like the girl like staring at him like what? Because of course he you know as we've find out he thinks bond was killed in an attack on their train car that they preempted by getting off early and going to a diner that bond found distasteful but then he knows exactly who she is he looks up at her he's like i guess you're solitaire sorry for the rough welcome it's been quite a day how did he know he's solitaire <laughs> yeah how did he know it was solitaire <laughs> I mean, for the Mr. second Big time around in 24 hours i didn't expect to see this guy again <laughs> i know They've had, they just have a dramatic run of it, man. Yeah, so, so then Leiter fills them in basically somewhere between Jacksonville and St. Petersburg. The train was stopped, and two guys open up with Tommy guns on the side of the car, and one guy throws in a pineapple, which is like a half-stick dynamite. person that gets injured, unfortunately, is our, our man Baldwin. The only nice guy to bond on this train uh, ends up perishing in this act. The one civilian that you actually meet <laughs> who does anything is murdered. Bit strange for Fleming. Usually he doesn't have many innocent bystanders uh, right. oft. And then they just books. and then Bond just, just writes him off and says, Oh, poor Baldwin. We owe him a lot. Anyway, so they decide we're gonna go to Tampa, get her on a plane, right, get her down to Miami. She's a little bit weary. She says yes. She hesitates. Yes, I guess so. Chapter 13. Death of a Pelican. Solitaire seems nervous to be separated from her savior, but takes the hint and dismisses herself. Once she's gone, Leiter pours drinks and gives details about the assault on the Silver Phantom. Bond is duly impressed with Mr. Big's operation and giddy over his success against it. The two then make a connection between Mr. Big's front operation, Ouroboros, and his local agent, the robber. They decide to leave Solitaire behind as they investigate this lead. On the drive over, he pondered Solitaire's anxiety about being left alone, but dismisses it as he and Leiter take in the surrounding and mock the oldsters. Arriving on the docks, they discover a nondescript warehouse 
being watched over by a cruel-looking man holding a rifle, whom they immediately peg as the robber. Leiter tries to engage him, but blows their cover immediately, and the two leave with their tails tucked between their legs. Arriving back at the Everglades, they're greeted with the news of an unexpected package delivery. Yeah, and so as this chapter starts, they're reunited with Lighter. They have a couple of rooms at the uh, Everglades little cottages. And almost immediately, Lighter ditches the girl. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, pulls her out and is like, oh, so we're going to switch rooms. Bond's going to stay with me, and you're going you're gonna to stay in your own room. And I, I like the way Lighter, they Fleming phrases it, though. Lighter says, guess you'd better take James's room, and he can bed down with me. Uh, so sensual. I know. Bond's like, oh, my pinky hurts. <laughs> my pinky hurts too much to have sex. But not with. But I'm going to bed down with lighter. My pinky feels fine. Shut up, solitaire. <laughs> and of course, what would be a moment without a little alcohol? So lighter goes down, gets some Hague on Hague. And some yeah, ice. he literally ditches solitaire, who is also dealing with a traumatic situation and then comes back with booze and is like, well, you want, you and I are going to drink. I don't know about her. She's, I stuck her in the room. I love that he opens it with, I'm forgetting my manners. We could both do it a drink. And he, and he says they have a small pantry next to the bathroom and quote, I've stocked it with all we're likely to need. Yeah. Oh, and so you got food? No, just scotch and gin. <laughs> But that's what I'm wondering, like, what, like, oh, I feel like we missed out. Like, what does he think they're likely to need for, like, two days in St. Petersburg? A it's probably, like, a scotch. case of scotch. Yeah. <laughs> and some soda water. So they both took a long drink. He explains how they blew up Bond's train car after he got off. There's a sedan, a clouded heap, I expect. Well, I, but he also says three men get out colored. Probably Negro. Probably Negro. That also, like, kind of shook me a little bit. Very eloquently describes what happens when the dynamite goes off. It says, fricassee of compartment H. Fricassee, presumably, of Mr. and Mrs. Bryce. In fact, fricassee of your Baldwin. And somehow he says, your Baldwin. So somehow Leiter knows that Baldwin was somehow kind and, you know, helpful to Bond, too, which is weird. Yeah, that is a little weird. He says, Leiter sits alone in cottage, hoping he has never said an unkind word to his friend James, and yeah. wondering how Mr. Hoover will have Mr. Leiter serve for his dinner tonight, which this comment somehow gets Bond going, man. He starts rip-roaring, laughing. What an organization. I'm sure it's all beautifully covered up. What a man. He certainly seems to have the run of this country. Just shows how one can push a democracy around. <laughs> yeah, so, Bond so get, is a little... Annoyed with democracy, when Mr. Big can have the run of it. Oh, is it? Oh, see, I thought he was referring to Mr. J. Edgar Hoover, but that makes more sense. Oh yeah, he's totally talking about Mr. Big blowing up his compartment and just, you know, doing whatever Mr. Big wants. Because then he concludes with, "That's three times I've gotten away with it." He lighter says, "Before you arrived over here, you could have counted the mistakes yeah. Mr. Big has ever made on one thumb." Now he's made three all in a row. He's talking about where his boat, the Secteur, uh, likes to dock at this place. Later, can't remember. It's the Ruberus. I feel like Fleming had to throw this in just so me, the reader, could recognize similarities between Ruberus and Robber. Um, mm -hmm. And then Bond corrects him. He says, Auroburus. 
right? The great worm of mythology. Good name for a worm and bait factory. And then <gasps> Bond cracks the case. He hits the glass tabletop with his flying Felix! I got it! The robber! Don't you see? And Leader's face lights up. Ouroboros. The Ouroboros. robber. Oh, robber. The robber. <laughs> it all hangs together. <laughs> they cracked the case, man. They do. All he needed they... was some Hague on Hague, and uh, he figured it out. Yep. So that's what they figure out, and Leader jumps right. He's like, whoa, what the hell are we waiting for, man? Let's go. We'll go right along and look the place over. I was going to suggest it anyway, seeing as the Secretor always docks at their wharf. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, they mentioned it earlier on. I assumed that's what they were going to do when well, they went well, down there. This is my point. Like, Bond's jumping up and down like, oh my god, I just figured out the similarity. Like, yeah, but his boat was kind of going there all the time anyway, but good for you, Bond. I mean, you, you cracked I mean, it open. That, that was literally <laughs> the only clue that brought us here, but... <laughs> Nailed yeah. It. So they make they they make the plan. They're gonna go over there. Um. They also make a plan to take out, take out uh solitaire to dinner at Tampa. Well, tell her not to move till we get back. Lock her in. This poor woman, just free to life of being locked into her an apartment to only have these two other now white guys locking her in. Um, but they're going to take her out of this They mentioned this restaurant. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because it's an actual restaurant. It's one of those, you know, this one's real. Los Navidades. Um, but, you know, I've been around for 60 years at that time. Very famous. That's all. That's all I want to say. Solitaire is not too comfortable. She's a little nervous. She doesn't want to... She doesn't want him to think she's hysterical. So what does he do? He kisses her. Because that'll shut this mm -hmm. broad up. Don't think I'm being hysterical. She kissed him. Now you can go. I just wanted to see you. Come back quickly. <laughs> yeah, that'll get her. Lighter had called and I like... had closed the door on her and locked it. Done. <laughs> You're safe now. <laughs> but anyway, she feels like no one could have seen her there. But Bond is freaking out because while he respects her power of intuition and trusts it deeply and inherently, he's not going to listen to it. Mm -hmm. He identifies the threat, he sees things super clearly, and then he does not follow through on what he sees. So he says, yes, I get that this is dangerous, you think it's dangerous, I believe you, we're going to do it anyway. To yeah. Robberus. And Bond gets super fucking stoked when he sees the car leader so carefully picked out for him, like, this guy. Bond liked fast cars and he liked driving them. Most American cars bored him. They lacked personality and the patina of individual craftsmanship that European cars have. They were just vehicles, similar in shape and color, and even in the tone of their horns, designed to serve for the year and then be turned into in in part exchange for the next year's model. All the fun of driving had been taken out of them with the abolition of a gear change, with hydraulic-assisted steering and spongy suspension. All the effort had been smoothed away and all of that close contact with the machine and the road and the extract skill and nerve from the European driver. To Bond, American cars were just beetle-shaped dodgems in which you motored along with one hand on the wheel, the radio full on, and the power-operated windows closed to keep out the drafts. I mean, he pretty much has it nailed down in that lot. I mean, that is accurate to today. 
Sure. But let's back up a little. First of all, 1950s, I think only like one or two cars had an automatic transmission. Yeah, he really jumps ahead. <laughs> he, he throws in like all of the stuff that's going to take like another 25 years to like be ubiquitous. The vast majority of cars are still stick shift by this point. I mean, he even bragged about it in the beginning, the very first chapter. He's like, oh, Dynaflow Gears is so amazing. Like, right. And then he's, he's picking on power steering. Who's sitting there going, my God, this is way too easy to turn my fucking car. He's got to shit on America about something. So he gets in a sweet American car. Well, it's an old Cord. Uses that And uses that as a way to shit on America because he likes the car. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's what they get in. Accord. Bond guesses its age and guesses wrong. Yep. And then as they're driving over to Ouroboros Incorporated, um, they drive past the population of St. Petersburg and Bond solitaire shits on all the old people that live in St. Petersburg and then as they're driving through, Bond uses this opportunity to shit on all the old people that they're driving past. So he's like, oh, quote, Bond caught a whiff of the atmosphere that makes the town the old folks home of America. Everyone on the sidewalks had white hair, white or blue, and the famous sidewalk Davenports that Solitaire described were thick with oldsters sitting in rows. <laughs> and then, I mean, that's not it. He goes on and rails against them. He really like, does, man. Dude really hates old people. I mean, and then it gets even worse. So they drive past a bunch of old people, and then he sees a clothing shop that reminds him, oh my god, there's not only old people here, but there's like women getting pregnant and having babies. It's a clo- It's for maternity clothes? This is the worst goddamn place in the world. And then he says, let's, let's get away from here. This is, this is really beyond the call of duty. Yeah. Pull the lid down, said leader, at Bond's exclamations of horror. Quite painful to him to be reminded of his own mortality and to be reminded that he likely will never reach a ripe old age to sit in a Davenport in a Truman shirt because he'll be murdered. So, yeah. they, they head down to the wharves, the docks, to Ouroboros, Inc., live worm and bait merchants, coral shells, tropical fish, and wholesale only. Mm-hmm. Hell of a name for a company. Oh, yeah. Rolls off the tongue. And they see a man sitting in front of the warehouse Just in a chair. Cleaning a rifle. Cleaning a rifle. <laughs> God bless America. He's cleaning his Remington 30. And then this is what I was talking about earlier. This is where I'm, I was reading along, and I'm like, so he's first described as a man cleaning a rifle. I'm like, okay, it's probably a bad guy. So anyway, they eventually described his complexion was the color of tobacco dust, sort of a yellowy beige. And I was like, what the f- are you talking about? I don't know what this person, who this person, anyway. So they do what any good secret agent would do. They just totally wing it. They go in with no plan. They like wander past him and try not to look at him too hard out to the end of a dock and they see a pelican. They kind of scare the pelican and it flies away and grabs some fish. And then they, they watch it and they head back, you know, past the warehouse again. And they're like trying not to look at him too hard. And then the lighter comes up with like a great gambit. He's going to get in there. Mm-hmm. He's going to like break the ice. By offering some money. Hey, you the manager of this wharf? Yep, said the man without looking up. I wonder if there's any chance of more on my boat here. Basin's pretty crowded. Nope. Leader took out his note case. Would 20 talk? Nope. And then he spits directly between Bond and Leiter. 
Hey, now you watch your manners, Leader says. He looked up at Leiter. He had the, quote, small, close-set eyes as cruel as a painless dentist's. Ooh. I like this culture they live in where the dentist is a villain. Yeah. <laughs> Beady-eyed little villain. <laughs> and then, of course, this all falls apart because they're such bad spies. They never put any effort into anything and, like, try to, like, do it right. No. Nah. And so the guy asks, what's the name of your boat? The Sybil. The, uh, the obvious next question. Yeah, lighter throws it. And the guy says... There's no boat in the basin named the Sybil. Of course he knows. It's his goddamn job to know. He <laughs> lives there and, like, watches boats in the basin as, like, uh, that's his, like, life. But Lighter's like, I'm going to bluster through this. Of course it's there, you idiot. You're blind. <laughs> <laughs> Been there a week. 60-foot twin-screwed diesel. White with a green awning, rigged for fishing. And the robber, like passes the gun from one side of his lap to the other across both of them in the most ominous move you could possibly do. He like slow motion scans the gun across the, and they stand there and take it because what else are they going to do? They put themselves in this goddamn retarded situation with a guy with a freaking rifle. The man sat lazily looking down the breach. So he's just kind of very nonchalantly fires off around, knocks the pelican out. And Bond's like, what the hell did you do that for? That's an endangered species at best. <laughs> no one had any problems with that bird. And the uh, man, it's it's a, Baldwin. It's Baldwin all over again. <laughs> you killed Baldwin, you <laughs> monster. Oh, Baldwin. I let you down. Bond's got a soft spot for pelicans, man. He's not a... Yeah. And so, you know, because they're spies trying to accomplish a mission, Leiter continues to... <laughs> randomly threaten him now with the ASPCA. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get the job done later. Pull, bring the ASPCA in on this guy. That's going to get you to the heart of Mr. Big's yeah. operation. <laughs> it's not even sloppy. If the FBI, the Secret Service, of, and the fucking CIA can't bring this guy down, wait till we get the ASPCA out here. You're gonna, they're going to get him. <laughs> and the robber's like, oh yeah? How about you be prosecuted for trespassing, man? Yeah, and then he's like, get the fuck out of here. I can see you both got guns, you idiots. I can smell them. You come right here again, and I'll bleed self-defense. How about that? Sibble my ass. I love that. And then his last line is like, literally, like, you made up a boat? Like, fuck you. And he, like, slams the door in their face. And granted... Lighter does seem abashed at this and does say round one to the robber. So yeah. he does admit defeat. It, on, you don't even know if this guy's the robber. He was just a dude sitting there cleaning a gun. Yeah, but he had robber written all over his <laughs> beige tobacco colored skin. Yeah. Face. If he wasn't, uh, if he wasn't the robber, it's a blood relation. Says Lighter. Yeah. And then as they're getting back in the car and they're driving leader's like by the way hope you like the rooms i got for you fine says leader just occurred to me that you two might be hyphenating <laughs> does that mean having sex is that is that the 1950s ways of saying smashing yeah i don't know and bond says you read too much windchill i love this little tete-a-tete and leader's like that's a delicate way of putting it here he says don't forget the walls of these cottages are pretty thin I use my ears for hearing with, not for collecting lipstick, 
basically because what we learn is leader sees a little bit of lipstick rubbed on bob's e- bond's ear mm-hmm. and bond's like you lousy goddamn sleuth but anyway they get back to the thing and ominously the, the owner of the cottage says hey by the way we don't appreciate music around here and leader's like what are you talking about she says oh the big radiogram you had sent around the men could hardly get it through the door so the chapter ends boom done what's in that radiogram you may be asking yourself well you're gonna have to wait until the next time eggs and espionage is mixed edited and emphatically produced by flashback productions music in this episode is by loose meat substitute who else Thank you for joining Ian and I in this first half of Season 2 as we explore Ian Fleming's Live and Let Die, the second novel in his James Bond series. Coming up in the second half, to be really soon, Lighter makes some questionable decisions, forcing Bond to go it alone in Jamaica. James gets himself into shape with some Rocky-style beach montage as he prepares for some dangerous night swimming. Will Bond be able to avoid the fate of so many other Secret Service agents? Find out soon on Eggs and Espionage, the origins of James Bond.